Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Barron. Your personal growth matters. And we're here to help. Hey y'all, before we get today's episode started, we just wanted to give a quick listener shout out. This one is from Sikkim84. It says, self-improvement success, informative, humorous, and spot on with life. Brooke and Farron give the steps to improve everyday work, hobbies, and day-to-day productivity. I've become more efficient in planning and follow-through, and I'm more accomplished. Their banter in real-life conversation is uplifting and encouraging. This podcast helps me know that I'm not alone in struggles, and I have this community to connect with to keep me motivated. Thanks so much, Sikkim84. We love getting these reviews. Thank you so much. This one was on iTunes. Remember, if you guys get something out of the episodes, we would love to hear you uh, leave a review and screenshot it, send it to us, and you might be featured next on our next listener shout-out. All right, on to the episode. Okay, so this is episode 24. We're in our Grit series. We're in the interview portion. We just went over Betty DeRue's interview, The Lawyer, and now we have Keith, which is my dad, and we're interviewing him today over grit and parenting and all that jazz. So, Dad, feel free to say hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. You you. passed the test. Thank you. So, we're just going to chat here about grit. So, Again, the book is broken down into three parts. Part one is what is grit and why it matters, and we'll just kind of go chapter by chapter there. Part two is growing grit from the inside out, and then we'll go chapter by chapter there, like a typical one. And then we have part three, which is growing grit from the outside in. So uh, we might skip over some or talk about some and jump around, but uh, it'll be wonderful. So there's that. So, Dad, we interviewed Mom a couple a few, several weeks back, she was on the personal invaluable laws of growth one, and she talked about parenting and mentioned you and vandalizing Baylor walls. So I just a little bit, just uh, just a little bit. It got better. So oh, we're probably gonna also have a lot of movie quotes between each other, just because that's it's our possible. that's our thing. It's possible. <laughs> Many a night watching either infomercials or movies. Just certain back in the day. Yeah. So anytime son in law is on, I feel compelled to text you. <laughs> we can be friends. See, it's gonna be like that. So hopefully you've seen all the movies we've seen and if not, uh, maybe get your life together and do that. So We'll jump right in. All right, so part one, what is grit and why it matters? So this whole section talks about chapter one is showing up, chapter two is distracted by talent, chapter three is effort counts twice, chapter four is how gritty are you, and chapter five is grit grows. So from the parenting perspective, Dad, uh, think you can either talk about you as a parent towards me and Blake or how you've developed grit in us. Or how that has developed grit in you. Because what I'm discovering is me parenting my kid is making me grittier in different ways. Like waking up at 3 a.m. or changing sheets or whatever it is. So you can talk about how it's affected you or how it's what you did intentionally with us while we were growing up. So in your opinion, um, the first chapter talks about just showing up. So whether that's a commitment you're sticking to or something we didn't want to do. Whenever you think about us showing up and being gritty, what immediately jumps to your mind? 
Well, whenever, whenever I'm looking at you guys, I look back on my own life and your grandparents' life mm-hmm. and how <clears throat> grit is generational. Um, it, but it has to start somewhere. Right. And so looking at the way I, I parented or mom and I parented, you don't know anything when you're a parent. When you're right. first a parent, they send you <laughs> home with with kids and you have no clue what you're doing. Yeah. And, Good luck. And you don't know where to start. You don't mm-hmm. know. You have no clue. You don't even know what you don't know. Yes. And so you have to rely on people that have taught you mm-hmm. how to be a parent. And so you have to look back on your parents to see, okay, that when this happened, this is kind of what we did. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pull that forward. It seemed to work with us. So yeah. let's make it work for my kids. Right. But all kids are different and all kids react differently to stress and they all react differently to the efforts parents put into growing their children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, looking back at, at my parents, your Nana and your Papa, uh, both of them came from difficult situations, I would say. And they had to uh, be self-determined and support each other and be gritty just to survive. You know, both of them grew up in um, difficult home situations where that's all you did was survive from day to day and do the best you could to survive. And so when when I was raised and my sister and I were raised together, it was a lot of the grit that came from, to me from them and to my sister from them came from previous experiences. And so looking back when we were parents, we, we look back and I look back on how I was raised and how the work ethic and the training and the biblical structure that I grew up in and how that transcended through me into you guys. And I wanted to make that happen but I didn't know how to make that happen other than just mimicking some of the things that were hap- that happened to me yeah, growing up. and see what sticks. <laughs> I like how you're talking about generational grit because it's exponential. So you can take <clears throat> whatever you learned and then plus what you know from your experience and combine that, and now you've passed it on to me. So I'm taking what your parents taught you plus what my parents taught me, and now I'm putting that into practice. So then whenever my kids grow up, they have three generations to look back on. So that is cool that you mentioned that. You know, I had a, uh, I had a student one time when I was a principal that uh, he had a difficult life and, and I was able to provide him an opportunity to be successful uh, academically through the, through the school structure that, that we had. And he said to me one time, he said, you know, you not only have changed me, but you made a difference in my kids and my grandkids because I was able to be successful. How cool that that person knew to think that big of a picture. And this was a kid that was going to drop out of school, Mm -hmm. was not being successful. He ended up uh, going to Stephen F. Austin, graduating with a degree, and became a teacher. Um, But I, I was his parent on Parent Weekend. I mean, to, mm-hmm. I was his parent to enroll him into college because he didn't have a parent that mm-hmm. supported him. Just one of those things where you, 
where you have to look back at your life and you have mm-hmm. defining moments. Yes. That that either make you or break you, depending on your your training and your spirit. Hopefully, it makes you stronger when you go through difficult times. Right. Uh, but for some kids who have not been trained to be gritty, they get over overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the by the tough situations. Right, and that overwhelming can look different. That it can look different. like acting out, like you were saying earlier. It manifests itself different ways. <clears throat> Either way, if you have five kids, they're all feeling overwhelmed. They're n- none of them are gritty, but they're going to all react differently, whether that's out of anger or shutting down or depression or running away. It right, and that's when you have to ask, ask those key questions. Like what? What do you mean? You know, why are you upset? What mm-hmm. are you feeling? You know, what can we do differently? How can, how can you feel differently? What are some steps you might want to take? Mm-hmm. To change the situation that you're in. So breaking it down into its simplest form. So you're acting this way. Why? Okay, why? Okay, but then why? And then how do we work ourselves back out of it differently? Well, and you know that's that's what we as parents, as your mom and I, tried to mm-hmm. tried to help you work, help you and your brother work through problems instead of just solving that problem for you, because it doesn't teach you how to solve problems. If we mm-hmm. solve them for you, mm-hmm. so you know, you know, give a man a fish, being for a day, teach a man to fish, you fish for a lifetime. And so we, so we need, we have to help you learn how to go through processes to change your situation or to change the outcome. Do you have an anecdote about? Well, I mean, you can say it about me. I don't know about <laughs> Blakey well, ratting you know, him just, out on things. <laughs> You know, you you in athletics, mm-hmm. let's say, because you you were a multi sport athlete. Um, some days were more difficult than others for you for right. practice, getting up and going to being at school at six thirty in the morning, and trying to be um, a good athlete and trying to follow your coach's wishes, even if they wanted you to run cross country at six thirty in the morning. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> when when you saw no purpose in running cross country. Or whenever they wanted you to run the open quarter when you were in middle school, mm-hmm. and you saw no purpose in running in a circle because it did, it didn't. I remember didn't, saying that it didn't, <laughs> it didn't gain you anything. Running in a but, circle and turning left. But what that did for you, one, it worked on your fitness. Two, it worked on your endurance. And three, you had to work through difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And so when you were, and and, and I remember whenever you started running track and doing track meets, they had you in five events. Yep. And they always had you in five events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you ran the sprint relay and when you ran the open quarter and then you had to turn around and run the mile relay. Mm -hmm. And And the open quarter Mm -hmm. and mile relay were close together. But before that, you had had to compete in field events Mm -hmm. in the long jump and the high jump. And it became more and more difficult as track season went on. To do all five events well. Right. And that, that was frustrating for you, I know. As a one, <laughs> yes. And so, but, you know, all that foundation work through the jumping and the running and the, and the struggling, all that helped you later on when you were in competitive soccer and whenever you were in high school soccer and whenever you were in collegiate soccer. That, that foundation for working through difficult times 
helped you prosper as you went through your athletic career. And so, so you had to build some grit early on just because that was going to be the, and I knew that was going to be the foundation, but you couldn't see that far in front of you. Right. I was 12. But as a parent who had not only, I was an athlete in high school, but I was a coach. Mm -hmm. Once I was a teacher, I also coached. And so I knew what it was going to take for you to go to that next level. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of it is just plowing through the difficult times. So how did you subconsciously coach me? Like where I didn't know you were coaching me up. Mainly I just supported you. And I, and I supported the coaches that had faith in you to do things. Amen. All, all the and coaches so, say amen. What do you, so, so what do you mean? And so, I mean, I had a personal knowledge of the, each coach that you had. I spoke with them on a one-on-one basis. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't to, add, to get favor from them. It was to ask them their opinion on how best I could help you, you know. And so when it came down to soccer, we put you in a select group. We paid for private lessons. We put you in situations to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that that in itself, not only did it show the coach that that we were supporting them and what they were trying to do, but that we were supporting you in your preparation for what's ahead because all of your coaches had played collegially. Right. And so they knew what it was going to take. Mm-hmm. And you as an athlete might not be able to see that far ahead. Right. Based on experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just, it helps when you support the coach. And I always wanted to be that supportive parent because that helps the coach be able to support you as an athlete. Right. Instead of dealing with the headaches. Right, because they know that you have a supportive parent. And, right. if, and if there were some things that we needed to look at, then, then we, we did. We, got, we were able to do lessons. We were able to put you in positions to where we would stretch you as much as we could. And then they would stretch you when they had you. Right. You know, off season, in season, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like. Gotcha. You know, and cross country is a perfect platform for soccer. Yes, it is. Because in... <laughs> You know, that's one thing a kid might not understand. Right. Just like whenever you're in academics, mm-hmm. you know, taking taking those difficult classes that really stress you out. Mm-hmm. Social it, science statistics. <laughs> it, it builds it, it builds character. It builds grit. It builds determination in you. So when you get to college and knowing, you know, having, you know, had have college degrees, knowing what that's going to look like, and I knew that you needed to push yourself academically in high school to be successful on the other side, to be successful at the next level. Mm-hmm. And so it takes people in your life, whether it's your parents or your grandparents or or family friends or somebody, has to step in and and help you understand where you need mm-hmm. to be, where you need to go, and what that path looks like. It's a roadmap. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. Right. So what would you say to the person who does not have someone to lay the roadmap out? Well, like, I had you guys. Well, so. and you had church group people. You had youth group leaders. You had... Mm-hmm. So my, my advice to parents is have a group of supportive adults around your children. And we were able to have you guys in a great youth, youth group at church. You had a great group of friends that went you went to school with and they were from all walks of life it wasn't right you know they were 
they were children of educators. They were children of, of law enforcement. They were children of, of, of blue-collar workers. Mm-hmm. They were children of professionals. They were, you know, you had, you had friends of all different uh, degrees, but all their parents and all the adults in their life were supportive. Right, that was, was the commonality. And they were supportive of you, and they were mm-hmm. supportive of, of their own children. And even the grandparents were supportive. Right. Because even, you know, even your grandparents were supportive of your friends. Right. And they would support you at church. They would support you at school. Mm-hmm. They came to all your events. Just like some other grandparents that you were right. friends with their yeah, grandkids. Yeah, for sure. You know, you went to their houses and mm-hmm. their farms and their mm-hmm. different... And so we purposefully put you in position in a position to be influenced by a variety of adults that were supportive right. of not only their kids but of you. Right. I love that. So just like our house situation, mm-hmm. you know, we we bought our house specifically for raising our kids in their preteens and teens. So this is the house that we grew up in during our later elementary all yes, the way were, through. You were eight, Blake was ten. Okay, so second grade, third grade, is yeah. that when we moved? All the way up through mm-hmm. until the past couple of years is when you right, moved away moved, from that. So yeah. definitely for sure until so we were in we, adulthood. we were there 22 years. Okay, so whenever y'all were looking for a house, what were some things you were thinking about? Well, we actually looked for three years, mm-hmm. and we wanted to stay. A, we wanted to stay in the same community because uh, we wanted you to stay with your friends. It was important to me and important to your mom that you stay with the same group of friends. So y'all were mm-hmm. able to stay in the same elementary school all the way through elementary, same middle school in that same neighborhood, and the same high school. So you went to school with kids all the way through from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Consistency. So you had a consistency of friends, consistency mm-hmm. and stability of a neighborhood home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your neighborhood schools, everybody knew everybody all the way up. So all that was the support group. But as far as looking for a house, we wanted, A, we wanted more space because we wanted to provide a place for you guys to bring your friends. Mm-hmm. So so we we had a bigger house. We, we bought, the, we got the ping pong table and the foosball table and the, and the game room area. We had a pool. We had a larger backyard. So we had... Volleyball net set up. We had, you know, y'all, y'all would come and swim and play volleyball. We had a basketball goal. We had all those mm-hmm. things because we wanted y'all to feel comfortable with the house, bringing kids to the house, and selfishly, that kept you you at our house, but it also provided a place, a safe place for y'all to be and bring your friends. We always had snacks. We always had cokes. We always had. Um, candy, we had whatever your friends wanted, we would buy it and keep it. We always had food, we always had things to eat when you came. Mm-hmm. And don't get it twisted, uh, they're both educators, so what would you say to someone who does not have, like, I don't have the money to do that, so y'all were uh, both teachers, how and, did y'all... It, it, it doesn't take a lot of money to have sweet tea, lemonade... And have some basic snacks at the house, peanut butter and jelly. But most most importantly, it's providing a welcoming space. And the and the parents of your friends knew that it was a safe place. We didn't drink. We didn't have alcohol in the house. Uh, we were very conservative people. And I was always up. 
mm-hmm. I was always awake. Yep. And so I slept very little during that time in your life, in Blake's <laughs> life. So I was always up. You never came home without me being awake. Mm-hmm. And that was important for us. Now, Mom would go to bed because she needed her sleep. I didn't need sleep for 10 years, but... Um, God didn't but, need, no, didn't, didn't he, had, he had an idea to make you awake, it's fine. We, you know, and, and I, wanted, I, I wanted you and Blake to have trust in us that we would provide a safe place for you guys to have a good time and have fun. Yeah. And your friends were always welcome. I did meet every one of them at the door and talk to them when they came in. Yes. A, I wanted them to know that... You're in charge. That I'm in charge. B, I wanted to smell their breath to make sure they weren't drinking drinking mm-hmm. or under the influence of something and well and that eat. did i mean i i think later in my adult life you mentioned that that had happened and mm-hmm. you kindly sent some people away yeah, like yeah. nope yeah and, <laughs> and, and and for me i liked having the other parents trust that i was there yeah you know and that i was doing what i needed to do to be to be successful with with you guys and we never had a problem with any of your friends coming over. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some that might have been drinking, and I sent them on their way without, you know, making a big, a big deal. deal. No, making a big deal. Like, I didn't even know. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, but so I'm trying to, so we, so we were trying to build some independence in you guys, but control the game. I needed to control the arena so you could be successful. Right. And you might not have seen all the behind-the-scenes Movements, just like when you would go to an event, right? You know, you're you had a gathering at someplace other than mm-hmm. my house, you know, and I was scheduled to pick you up in three hours. Mm-hmm. You never knew that I sat at the end of the street for three hours watching who can who who came to the house and who left mm-hmm. the house and what was going on because you didn't need to know I was there, right? I needed to be there because I needed to watch and see how life was happening. Uh, so was that more of like a test for me, no, or no. was that more of just no? That wasn't a test for you. That was that was me controlling the arena where I could control it. Okay, so what now? Walk me through when I went to college because you weren't you weren't you couldn't be there. Right. Like... But but hope. But by that time, I felt and Mom felt that you were mature enough and made good enough decisions to where you would be okay. Yeah. Now, not, not, not saying you, you weren't going to make mistakes in college and make poor choices, but you had been raised in a way to where we had focused both of you guys into being able to make pretty decent decisions and weigh consequences. Right. And so that's, that's all you can hope for as a parent is to train your kids to make Decent decisions, but understand the consequences of decisions. Yes. Gotcha. And we talked about this a little bit last episode, like letting them, letting your kids fail in that safe environment to where you're there to either pick up the pieces, walk them through it, guide them through it, support them through it, versus, well, figure it out on your own and good luck. Right. So so if if you can create an environment as a parent, and you don't have to have money to do this, you don't have to have any kind of specific wealth or any kind of size house or a new car any any parent can do this Pro- protect your arena and allow your kid to succeed and fail within a controlled environment which teaches them how to succeed even though they might fail 
but it's it's a you have control over the parameters of the arena. Right, not putting them like they're not. You're not put them in, in danger. You're still supervising them, but, but you're yeah. you know you're controlling the things you can control. Gotcha. Okay, so that's not, like not only making us show up for things, but you on the parenting end had to constantly show up for us that we didn't even know about until later on, right. like, as you're coaching me up on what to do with my kids. Right. So that's interesting. Okay, so the next chapter talks about being distracted by talent. So a lot of times, if we're trying to learn a new skill or trying to do a hard thing, and we get caught up in, oh, well, this person is so much better at it than I am. I'll never get there. Like, was there any point where where we said that? Or how would you combat that if someone is so caught up looking looking to the side instead of looking ahead? Well, and everybody does that. Everybody gets gets distracted, and everybody has. If if you've been put in a competitive environment, whether it's academically sure. mm-hmm. or athletically, there's always somebody better than you. Yep, that's just the nature of the beast. Unless you're LeBron James, you know everybody's going to be better. You know, at some point, there's going to be somebody better than you. Right. So we never ask you guys to be better than anybody. We ask you guys to be the best you, mm-hmm. whatever that was. I never ask, or we never ask for A's in classes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what I always told you to do? Did you do your best? Did you do your best? Mm-hmm. You know, and did you put forth your best effort? Put forth your best effort. If you did the best you could with what you had, man, I'm happy with that. Right. Grades, if a B was the best you could do and I saw you put forth the effort, then a B was fine. Yes. So. If you had an 89, <laughs> if you had an 89 in fifth grade or whatever that was, Let, let's sixth tell grade. Story. Let's tell this story. Okay, so this story was sixth grade. It was sixth grade. Uh, I made all A's forever until sixth grade. I made an 89.4 in a class I won't name with the teacher I won't name. But uh, that person was not very fond of me uh, because I was not my brother. And that was hard because Blake's always made all A's and not me. So I, I remember being so upset. I thought you were going to be so mad that I had an 89. And I remember just crying, and you were like, what's wrong? I'm like, I made an 89. And then you said, did you do your best? And I was like, yes. And you even, I don't know if you remember this, but you got me a card. And I'll never forget, it was a, I I guess it was a bulldog. One of the ones that had a droopy face, and it was laying on the ground. (laughs) And I opened it, and it said, Sorry, it's kind of poopy right now. <laughs> and then we went and got a shake or something. Mm-hmm. But even just in that, to me, that was the most challenging academic thing I had faced. But you were there to catch me. So that, you trained me to know that I could still come to you with that and you'd still catch me. So when old Brookie made a C in physics in high school, I was like, listen. <laughs> I am embarrassed I made this C, but uh, physics is not my jam. I like physics when it's six flags. Other than that, <laughs> it is not good. <laughs> and I had a well, great physics teacher. And, it just wasn't. And you mm-mm. weren't a science major in college? No. Okay. So, Thank goodness. So in, you know, the old, the old cartoon, you know, if you, you know, if you tell it, you tell an elephant to climb a tree. Yes. They're not going to be able to do that. And they're going to look at it, look at themselves as a failure. Right. Because they can't climb the tree. Well, Elephants weren't made to do that. that <laughs> I was never, I never asked you to do anything that was 
beyond what you could handle. Mm-hmm. You know, and you might not be as successful as you wanted, right? But there was there was nothing that we put in front of you that you couldn't at least put your best effort right. into. And you know, some academic things you excelled in, just like anybody else, and some you struggled in sometimes. Now you, yeah, I mean, you graduated in top two of your class. You graduated with honors in college, so academically you're fine but there were some areas where you struggled mm-hmm. and there were some areas where you you were successful but you learned to take the struggles and you worked through those and i think a lot of that came from working through difficult situations at a, at a younger age yeah so whether it was in elementary school doing your spelling lessons upside down and backwards on the couch <laughs> mom hated that well, mom 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 <laughs> mom couldn't do you in homework <laughs> um but you know, you, you work through some difficult situations for you, whether it was, you know, you know, getting stomach ups, upset when standardized testing came around, mm-hmm. you know, or anything else. You just had to work through it. And every birthday for your whole school career, you had standardized tests the week of your birthday. Always the math one. Always. And so that was always difficult. Thanks, Texas. The but, only time you let me down. But... You know, that being said, I think academically that prepared you for the struggles of being a collegiate athlete and doing great schoolwork mm-hmm. when you were in college. You know, on the road, on a bus, you know, on a laptop, and you still can't came through with great grades and graduated with honors. But I think you, you were able to do that because of some preparation that you had done mm-hmm. all the way through school. Right. Having to work through some difficult situations. Right. Um, this this section also talks about how effort counts twice. And I know I wasn't the most talented player on the field. I was not the smartest one in the room. Um, and I, I know a lot of people out there are the same. So her formula, Angela Duckworth's formula talks about... Well, I wouldn't say about, that, but you can say <laughs> that. Uh, Angela Duckworth's formula talks about how effort counts twice as much as talent does. So the whole phrase where it's like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard is a fact because research has proven it. So um, what would you say to someone who is maybe either doubting themselves because they aren't talented or they, do, they don't have the blinders on because they're looking at everybody else comparing? So the whole effort counts twice as much as a talent would. Well, I know some real talented people that never academically never graduated from high school. Because they didn't tap into that talent or they didn't grow their grit with the talent. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of kids that are not as talented academically, but they put the grind on it and did a great job and went through college and now mm-hmm. they're professionals. Right. So it's about what you what you do with what you have. You know, if you can maximize what you have, do your do your best work. Mm-hmm with what you have, you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. It depends on what level you're going to be successful at. But it, you can have all the talent in the world academically or athletically and not put that to use and not be successful. Right. And so, you know, and even academically, I know a lot of, I know of several people that have doctoral degrees that have no common sense. Mm-hmm. And can't think themselves out of a paper sack. 
but I know a lot of people that are college graduates or high school graduates and professionals or military that are far superior in getting the academic work done and have a lot of common sense because they use the use what they have to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Which has made them grittier. Like I don't, I don't have whatever this person has, but I got to make it work just like they do. We, you know, we're and, both in this situation. You know, and you know, and just look at athletes. If I were, when I was coaching, you know, you always had the standout athlete. You always had that that outstanding guy that God blessed with a bunch of athletic talent. Right. But you give me eleven grinders on a football field and I'll win games. Yeah, right. Because give they, me that kid. Give me that kid. Mm-hmm. Give me give me the grinders. Yep. Give me the give me the kid that is dedicated to whatever they're doing mm-hmm. and that will show up day in, day out and will be consistent and work hard for you and put their best on the field every day. Same way with you in soccer, same way with anybody in 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 a workplace environment. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're hiring. Give me the grinders. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna produce work. So let's if you're trying to figure out how gritty are people. So think back to your interviews because you interviewed a lot of people being mm-hmm. a principal. So how Angela Duckworth has a grit skill where they were able to rank to see who was gonna stick it out and who wasn't. So did you kind of have that intuition, or did you frame your interview questions? Because I know y'all probably had certain questions you had to ask, but. Looking beyond the resume, how did you decipher, like, if you had three candidates who, same resume pretty much, how did you go about finding the grittiest? You just talk about personal experiences. Like what? Um, You know, I always like to hire people that push themselves to, to, to the point of their talent. So what would you an... Know, whether energy- academically, athletically, or whatever. So... Um, like a question. I mean, I, I mean, I would have people that would apply for a job at a high school, mm-hmm. and I would have somebody with a PhD in something, and I would have somebody with a master's degree, and I'd have somebody with a bachelor's degree. You know, which which one would you think you would normally pick? The guy with the PhD or the guy with the master's degree? You know, mm-hmm. and so I rarely hired the guy with the PhD. Why? Doing interviews with them. A lot of times it didn't, the ones that I'm thinking of, they weren't a good fit for my kids because mm-hmm. I was in a situation where I needed, I needed the grinders. I needed somebody who had, who had made sausage. Uh-huh. It, it, it's right. only being made, but right. you know, they, they'd gone, gone through the process, mm-hmm. they'd gone through trial by fire. They had, they'd been, they'd been in the neighborhood. They'd been gone down the road. They've had some mm-hmm. miles on them. So you were asking like historical questions about these people, right? Like, you would know. you say like, tell me about your childhood? Yeah, I would or say, like, you know, you know, how was, you know, tell me, tell me where you were where raised. You from? Yeah, mm-hmm. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. You know, where are you from? You know, why'd you become a teacher? What'd you want? Yeah. You know, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I would always ask them, what's the most difficult thing you had to overcome? Ooh, I'm sure you've heard some bizarre answers. Yeah. <laughs> Care to share well, if you can? <laughs> no, no, I did. I did have a prospect that asked me that I was inter- interviewing for a job and and she had marked on her application that she was bilingual great and I marketable said, so great so I said my daughter's bilingual she's she's a Spanish major in mm-hmm. college and she speaks Spanish do you speak Spanish she goes yeah I speak Spanish I said 
well, okay, let's have a conversation. And I mm-hmm. threw out some basic Spanish. Mm-hmm. And her answer was, dos más cervezas, por favor. <laughs> this was in an interview. Okay, for you non-Spanish speakers, that's two more beers, please. <laughs> that was her extent of her Spanish. Said that in an interview. Said it in an yeah, employment interview as her bilingual talent. I mean, any, almost any, any other thing. Any other thing would be fine. <laughs> she didn't last at the end of the questions for the interview. <laughs> Did you just say thank you for your just time? Said, thank you for your time. I will call you. <laughs> um, you know, and so to me, that wasn't somebody who was serious about what they were doing. But, right. you know, uh, I hired people that had a passion for what they were doing, mm-hmm. that wanted to change kids' lives that wanted to have an impact, and that's who I surrounded myself with. That is a phenomenal segue into part two, Growing Grit from the Inside Out. So that talks about interest, practice, purpose, and um, hope. So you mentioned people who were interested in it, they were passionate about it. Um, So if we're going to think about Growing Grit from the Inside Out, um, how... Did you either do that with your employees or with your kids or with uh, with any with anyone that you've come into contact with or even with yourself, like growing, getting yourself grittier? Was there ever a time that you want to share? Or let me give you an example, not not of me necessarily. This is this is a student, a former student I had that mm-hmm. you've seen his book, um, and this kid I had when I was uh, an administrator at a high school, and. This kid, he was not a good student. He was a smart kid, very brilliant, very talented, hated school. Um, And I was able to start a a school for at-risk youth, and I had him come over to to my school. He was a third-year freshman. Super freshmore. Super freshmore. So Mm -hmm. he was a third... He had... He had failed freshman year twice, and it was his third freshman year, and he was a very smart kid. Uh, he just, his family life was not supportive. Um, he was kind of left to raise himself a lot of times, and uh, just not a lot of support at home. Um, but I put him in a structured environment where it was structured socially and structured time-wise. What do you mean? For non-educated people, um, it was a it was a, a school. It, it was it was a school based on mastery learning, um, like self-paced in a self-paced environment. And there was there was a lot of class structure, and there was a lot of uh, time on task structure as minimums. What does that mean? Um, you know, you had to uh, you had to visit these. Five, you were given five subjects at a time, and you had to spend a minimum a minimum amount of time in each class, even though you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so throughout the week, you had you had to spend um, two hours in these five classes twice a week, and then the other time you could double up and spend more more time mm-hmm. in the classes that you wanted to finish. Or mm-hmm. um, this kid finished his sophomore, junior, and senior year in a year and a half. Wow. Brilliant kid, smart kid. Just needed a different environment. Needed a different environment, and um, and he ended up graduating early, a month early. Wow. 
But he wouldn't take his last final. Why? Because he didn't want to leave. Oh, man. This is, this is, this is a kid. I wouldn't let them take our books home to uh-huh. study because... They didn't come back? <laughs> well, I, I just didn't. I only had X amount of books. And mm-hmm. I, had, I had a fairly transient population because kid, kids would come in and earn the three or four credits that they needed to graduate because they were having either difficulty at home... They were pregnant teens. They were kids that were working, were working full time, mm-hmm. taking care of families. I mean, they had all all kinds of situations. And I had kids that came to that program that are doctors, lawyers, engineers, police officers, firefighters. You know, I had all of them, and um, and they just needed a different environment. Well, this guy needed a different environment, and so we ended up providing that environment for him, but. He loved being there so much, and he talks about it in his book, that it was the best thing that ever happened to him. He mm-hmm. would have never been successful afterwards, or he would have never graduated from high school if it hadn't have been for the structure that we put him in. So in in my development of this school, my job was to control the things the kids had a hard time controlling, and then letting them control the things they could control. Mm-hmm. So I controlled the outside structure, but I let them control the speed in which they learned. Right. So, and he was a he was a fast learner, real smart kid, but he got to the point where it was the end of his high school career, and it was the 1st of May, and we were graduating in the 1st of June, and he didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I had to force him to take his <laughs> final. You sit here and you take this. I'm, I had to force him because he didn't want to leave. He mm-hmm. he He loved being at the school. That was his safe haven. He, right. he was successful there. Out in the neighborhood, he wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. But in that place, he was successful. And so by controlling the elements that at-risk kids have trouble controlling, th- we were able to put them in a position to be successful. So I'm seeing a common theme of with me, for example, and with this kid, for example. Well, he's a grown man now. But the whole controlling... A situation to where the kid is set up for success, um, and they're also given the freedom to choose certain things Correct. as well. Correct. So, you know, and, and before I knew what grit was, I knew what I wanted to look like. I knew what I wanted things to look like. What do you mean? I knew what kids needed to be successful. So I had to provide the environment for that to happen. Whenever I went to a different school, after 12 years at the at this school, I, I was asked to to go and be principal at a regular comprehensive high school. And going into that position, looking at what was there to start with when I when I arrived on campus, there just needed to be a lot of structural changes that had to happen so kids could be successful. Based off of this over decade of practice, you correct. Had with this. Based of over. All this research the, you've yes, done. The 12 years of daily mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And I knew what it needed to look like. So over the course of the first six months, we were able to change the environment of the campus to where kids could be more successful. So? More kids passing standardized mm-hmm. tests. More the attendance rate went up. The absentee rate went down. So sometimes you just need a structural shift. It's not that you're... It's it's almost like we were talking about this last episode. You have twenty years of year one experience. Right. You haven't done anything differently. Correct. You're just doing the same thing over and over, and you're just getting more of the same instead of 
tweaking it little by little and over the course of time gaining the experience and wisdom to implement later. And that's, and, and that's, and that's growth. And right. you grow professionally, you grow spiritually, you grow academically, you grow physically, you grow all those areas, but you have to have parameters. Mm-hmm. You have to have rules of the game in a field of play. Okay. And there has to be some control to guide you in the right direction. So if someone doesn't have that person to kind of set those parameters, how could they go about setting it for themselves? Um, a lot of those kids end up in prison where there, is, where there are parameters. Okay. Or so they end up... Let's say I don't want to go to prison. Right. But, so I what mean, do but, I do? But people that grow up in a, in a non-controlled environment are, are not able to focus and be successful until they get in a controlled environment. And a lot of times, people, it takes some drastic measures for them to get focused. You know? And mm-hmm. not, not that everybody wants to go to jail, but it's real hard to be successful if you're not focused on, on the goal. Mm-hmm. But if you don't even know where to start, you, you tend to run around in circles and are um, searching for some guidance. I have a nephew that was in that situation and he joined the Marines. Mm-hmm. Marines gave him focus. And he became he became a successful Marine. He came out, became a successful professional. And and he's still successful today. And it's he's been out of the Marines twenty years. But because he was able to get focused in the Marines, that changed that changed his future. Mm-hmm. That changed where he was going to end up. Because of the because of the structure and the guidance and the things that happened mm-hmm. in that arena, he somebody controlled the things he was having a hard time controlling. Mm-hmm. Smart kid was able to be successful, mm-hmm. but I think, in my opinion, everyone needs boundaries and everybody needs structure. Right. And if you don't have that, you have to find a way to get it. You have to find a way to get an adult to help you gain structure Mm -hmm. or someone who's gone before you or someone who's gone before you at least you can follow right you know I'm I'm not going to push you I'm going to lead you right lead from the front you got to you got to find somebody that's that's going to lead you it might be a peer it might be some random adult that's in your neighborhood or whatever but you know we had a team approach when when y'all were being yeah the village it I mean it wasn't it wasn't just me, me and mom you had grandparents on both sides you know, you had stability on both sides. You had church on one side. You had school on the other side with stable adults. Coaches. Coaches, mm-hmm. Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. youth leaders. You know, so as a parent helping a kid. Right. Our job was to put you in an environment to be successful. Yeah. And all those were structured environments. They were just structured differently. I like that. So then that also created adaptability to where I could transition from school all day to soccer practice. Two totally different RAN programs. Both made me grittier. Because they were structured. And they put and they challenged Kid, me. Kids like structure. Now, they'll tell you they don't. But they do. Everybody but, but likes they do. it. Kids don't like confusion. Yes. And so, whatever the situation is, just like when you were a coach, practices were planned out, schedules were planned out, they knew way ahead of time what was happening, you know, so you you controlled the things that you could control mm-hmm. to help them become successful. Right. 
And, and, that, and that's what you do as an adult. You try to help your kids you, and, uh, on the professional level, whatever your profession in life is. Mm-hmm. You develop structure so the people that work for you or with you know the parameters of the game mm-hmm. and, can, and can be successful right. following the parameters. Okay, so kind of switching gears to the parenting. I know we've talked, we've touched on it. So either parenting or mentoring or leading, so whatever your title is, you might not be a mom or a dad, but you are a leader of someone somewhere. Um, so even if you don't want to be, r- right? Somebody's going to follow you, right? So yeah. what are we doing there? Um, so from let's let's take the role of you're the parent, I'm the kid, which that's actually how it works right now. But if I'm trying to get gritty and you're trying to help me get gritty, um, one of the, so that she talks about, Angela Worth talks about interest, practice, purpose, and hope. So how did y'all know to put me in soccer or to help me thrive in that one area? Because there was a hot minute where I played basketball and it was not. You were a great basketball player. I was great at left bench and taking charges. Well, no, Boom. You used all of your fouls every game. Yes. 100% so 100. there. <laughs> and now when the coach told you to not let her shoot the layup? I didn't. You took her into the wall. You she know, didn't shoot the layup, coach. <laughs> you had a foul to give. You know, you have, you have five every game. Uh, you can't take them with you, so might as well right. use them. Yeah. Um, That's, I'm sure all the basketball coaches are nodding in agreement yeah, with my I mean, style of know, play. I mean, everybody needs that type of player. Oh, gosh. You know, um, <laughs> you know I... I was very fortunate that my parents allowed me to play any sport I wanted to play. And at one point in seventh grade, I remember I was in seven different athletic activities during that year. That's a lot. From swimming to bowling. <laughs> yes, I was in a bowling league. I swam on a swim team. Track. I was running football. track. I was playing football. I was playing basketball. I was playing baseball. I was playing soccer. Things. You know, this is Blake. He so, plays all the sports. So, but they they had a belief, and I had a belief at the time that I, I wanted to try it all. I loved all of it. Yeah. How do you know you don't like it? Until? How do you know if you don't? How do you know if you're not going to be any good at it? Right. If you don't try. It? So, right. so I did take piano lessons. I, well, piano lesson. Just the one. I took one. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Um, you know, it was a free lesson. It's one of those things where you go to the school and they say, "Okay, you can come in today for free." And mm-hmm. if you want to stay, you pay your twelve dollars or whatever for the lessons. No, nope. keeping my dollars. Yeah, you know, I went and took one lesson and said, mm, "That's probably not for me." Mm-hmm. So you know, okay. So I left. But but I, I think exposing you guys to different sports. Mm-hmm. to different music, mm-hmm. to different activities, you know, taking you to plays, taking you to musicals, right. taking you to the ballet, taking you, you know, exposing you to life events, mm-hmm. putting you putting you in positions of being successful, but yet uncomfortable getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so gymnastics for you, <laughs> you know. Another hot minute there. <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, you, you know, you like to run and play. Yeah, you like to run it, run and play, but not in that environment. You didn't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But you put put you on the soccer field, and you really enjoyed that. You really enjoyed mm-hmm. running and playing. And you know, and you actually enjoyed basketball and volleyball, and you and you loved to run and play. 
And so you you picked that up about me, so you put me in more running and playing things. Put you in more running and playing things. But you also liked, I mean, you, you liked going to different things. You liked music. You liked different events. So, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, we were trying to expose you guys to as many things as possible. We put Blake in soccer. Yeah. You know, Blake played soccer through sixth grade. but it, it Strikers, wasn't, right? They were the strikers. But it wasn't for, I mean, that wasn't his thing. So yeah. he, he loved golf, he loved baseball, he loved football. So that's what he, he played. Great at all those. You know, Still and so great. he was able to, to pursue those three mm-hmm. sports through the varsity level in high school. Right. And, but he liked that. So yeah. he pursued those things. Now we put him in soccer and we did some other things, but he really liked those three sports. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, and you did multiple sports till you got into high I guess you were sophomore year in high school. Sophomore year. Did you focused on the one sport, mm-hmm. which was fine, but you knew how to play all the other sports, right? And so at least that gave you an opportunity to play different sports and blend in when when you needed to play different sports. Mm-hmm. And then when you became a coach, you had to coach some of those sports. Oh, that's true. And that so, is true. So that helped, but you know, <laughs> giving you a variety of experiences built not only a, 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 a breadth of experience, but it provided depth on those sports that mm-hmm. you liked, mm-hmm. that you were successful at. Okay, devil's advocate again. I don't have the money to put my kid in all these sports or to go to all these plays or to do all these things. You know, school school plays are, school plays are cheap, uh, $3, $5, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the high schools do musicals. They all do plays. All uh, free? And if you're participating? Them, a lot of them, are, yes. And if you're participating, you go free. Mm-hmm. Um, private lessons? We didn't We didn't put you in private, private lessons till later on. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman. Uh, yeah, you are a freshman in high school mm-hmm. before we did anything private. Um, but you, you, if you're in a church group or a peer group where there's some older kids... They can help you, and it doesn't cost you anything. You right. have to, you have to, you have to feed them. Yeah, you know, you have to feed them, and but they'll 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 help, and usually they're more than willing to help if you, if you show an interest. Right. So it helps to be in a church group or a youth group or community group that um, where there are some kids that are participating in the sports you like mm-hmm. to play. So he's always willing to help. Academically, is the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always somebody in that group, that extended family group, that that can help you with different things. If yes. You need help. Still to this day, I will call Blake. Blake, can you please make this spreadsheet for me right. in he's, Excel and make the a, math yes. things happen? But we all do that. <laughs> you know, we we all seek help and advice. But if you don't know how to do that, and that's part of that 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 skill set that we try to give you. What are your resources? Right. What are your resources? Let's, you know, develop your resources so you can have a place to go. hmm You know, when you have a question. So, developing your resource. Developing your toolkit. So, how would... So, let's say I'm starting at ground zero with my resources. Where can I start looking for help? Like, with whatever. If my kid is struggling in math, what do I do? Schools always offer free tutoring. And so, if they're struggling... With with academics, mm-hmm. you go through their teacher, you go through their school, you ask other parents 
hope hopefully you're you're in a social group, whether it's a church or a civic group that has parents around, you know, mm-hmm. with kids around your same age, your your kids' age, and they have they have a lot of a lot of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, Troubled teen, what do I do? Go go to some experienced parents. Go to counselors that are available for free at the schools. Mm-hmm. Schools have a lot of resources, mm-hmm. and you can you can talk to coaches. I I can remember when I was young, fourth grade, fifth grade, and and my dad um, went to the head coach at the high school and said, "Hey, I want to work on work with my son on." On doing, you know, playing football and doing this, what what can I do? Show, and so the local high school coach says, "Here, you need to do these things." Mm-hmm. And and so he was able to work with me on those things, and I became better at what I was doing. Right. Because there, the resources are free. A lot of resources are free. At school and money. at church, all of that's school, free. School and church, it's all free. Mm-hmm. And churches feed kids a lot. Yes, and churches feed kids, especially mm-hmm. on on Wednesday nights, nights and stuff like that. But. You have to build your build your contacts, build your resources. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know, and it might be a, a, a grandparent figure. You mm-hmm. know, you know, it might be somebody that's been down the road for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, friends of a friend. Yeah. You know, parents of a friend. Um, you know, um, I like talking to your friends, even as adults. You have yeah. friends that ask me questions. Right. That's true. You know, utilize so your resources. Utilize your resources. Mm-hmm. You know. Build your, build your kit. Build your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Just like you, when you're a homeowner, you have to know somebody that does electricity, somebody mm, that does Jacob. plumbing, somebody that does somebody somebody that can somebody can fix things. You have to have your toolkit. And if and if you can't do it, you've got to be able to either learn how to do it or or know, go, how, to or know how to find a resource to do it. Mm-hmm. So the book also talks about how important it is to have someone other than your parent. Um, have high standards for you. So I agree. How how did you know? So who were some of those people for us? How did you know you could trust them? How did you kind of develop that? Or how you talked about earlier structuring or controlling what you can control? How did you go about that? So well, as a parent, what would I do now? Well, it started early on. Now we we were very fortunate that our that our our immediate family was very close. Um, and we had other adults in, in the family that were holding everyone accountable to, um, you know, and so, you know, the, your, your immediate family adults are your first level. Now, if you don't have immediate family adults that are reliable, that will hold you accountable, then you've got to go out to your second and third level, which is, you know, your neighbor's your school, your church, those, those different levels. And we as parents, we, we looked for people with similar beliefs and similar practices as far as raising kids that we would, we would like to see. What does that look like? Uh, well, I mean, there are some people that we didn't put you on front of a lot that had alcohol in their home Mm -hmm. or that, Drank out in public because that wasn't yeah. where we were. That's not what. That's not what what we wanted around you guys. Right. You you weren't ready for those either conversations or that exposure. Right. And so it's exposure mainly. Yeah. 
Um, so if we were like, hey, can we go over to Blah Blah's house? You would just say, why don't you invite them over? Correct. And that happened a lot. Genius. That happened a lot. Hey, why don't you invite them over here? We've got popcorn. We've got movies. We've got foosball. Come, do, you know, I'll go pick them up. We'll go pick them up. Their parents don't mm-hmm. have to get out. Yeah. You know, and so that's what we did for you guys. And mm-hmm. it's, especially with those parents. Mm-hmm. Now, we did have parents that I didn't mind y'all going to stand with and hanging out with. So what was that approval test looking like? How did you well, know that I could go hang out at Leah's or Because they, they were or? in our social structure. What do you mean? They were, we either knew them from school, we knew them from church, we knew them from uh, ball teams. You know, mm-hmm. we, were, we were around them, we knew them. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable letting you go stay with somebody I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so, so we knew them. How did you combat? Had a conversation with them. How did you combat my teenage argument or my middle school argument of why can't I go over there? Did I even ask that? I'm sure I you did. Know. Or I mean, most at, of the time, we, over time, I did, over time we redirected. Well, we re, we redirected you a lot when you were mm-hmm. a younger teen. Um, so the why don't you of, invite them over? I had a lot of behind the scenes conversation with parents. Like what? I mean, I would go talk to them before. How does that conversation go? How would I? Hey, talk to me about alcohol in your house. Hey, talk to me about about what you you know what you do in the house. What you let them do in the house. How much structure do you have in your house? I mean, I would have those conversations. So, what would they say? <laughs> well, some of them didn't didn't like me asking those questions, but I didn't care. But right, that's, because that's your kid. It's my kid. All right. And then so when I, so when as we did let you guys participate more mm-hmm. going out as you got older, that's when I would sit at the end of the street. I accidentally went to that party. <laughs> right. I think I talked about this. And so, mom's episode. just like when when I would drop when y'all would go to the skating rink. I did not get to go to the, st- the skating uh, rink. When Blake went to the skating rink, I was not allowed. Right, you're right. But when I let Blake <laughs> go, I sat in the parking lot for three hours and watched all the other teenage kids or middle school kids get dropped off and then leave with high school boys and then. They dropped them back off before their parents came and picked them up. Oh, my. So after that happened, I said, you're never going. I yeah. That <laughs> so that's not happening because that's, that's not that's not putting you in a successful situation. Yeah. Interesting. So. Okay. Yeah. So. so so sometimes you just, as a parent, you you use your best judgment and allow or not allow your kid to participate in a home or mm-hmm. in an event. Just because you don't feel comfortable with it, and I think I think God prepares your hearts for that, and prepares parents and prepares kids to make those decisions with discernment and with yeah, just the yeah, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. So, what would you say? Okay, so that's all stuff you can control. What about things you can't control, like a coach at a high school, or I mean. A lot of coaches are great. Some are not. Just well, like a lot of doctors are great. Some are not. Well, what happened with us is we knew them because we were in the school business with them. Mm-hmm. So I knew the history behind your coaches. I knew who they were. I, talk, mm-hmm. I mean, so everybody that you had in your life on the school level, we mm-hmm. knew something about. And if I ever had to go have those conversations, I knew who they were. And I knew. Right. And, and so it helped. So what about the person who is not an educator? They don't have that inside. That's, that's right. So that so that's when you what have your. Do? That's when you have to get involved in the PTA. That's when you have to get involved in the booster club. That's when you have to get involved in in as a room mom, 
you have to get involved somehow in that school so you know what's happening. Gotcha. So on the elementary level, PTA is the best way to do it, you know, or volunteer at the school. Yeah. But PTA, you can be in the school, you can be in the classrooms, your room mom, you you know. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, my dad was a room dad sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because mom was working or whatever, right. you know. Uh, he was even mm-hmm. room grandpa for yeah grandkids mm-hmm. because mom their moms couldn't make it, so Papa would go and be the room mom. Yep, take cupcakes and yep, I got you. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so you know you, you know you just do what you have to do to know what's happening. You can't be a ill informed parent. That yeah, because that's on you. That's on you. That's a parent. That's a parent issue. That's not mm-hmm. a kid issue. You have if, to get out of your comfort zone. If you don't prepare your kid. That's a parent issue. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that you have to just own up to it and mm-hmm. start do, now. Do the best you can. Start from wherever you are. Yeah. You know, you could have done a poor job up to this point, but start now. Even if your kids are grown, start now. Mm-hmm. Start now. Be be the best parent you can be from right now forward. Be the best grandparent you can be mm-hmm. from right now forward. And, you, you know, your kids might be 20, 21, 22 years old. Doesn't matter. Be the best parent from now forward, even if you've had difficulty being a, the best parent up to this point. Right. You can be the best grandparent. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, you can, you can work on that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you can work on doing those things. Yeah, always room for improvement. I like that. So, to kind of wrap it up, what would you say as far as... You can either give your best advice or your big takeaways from how to help others grow their own, grow their grit or grow grit in others. So what are some big takeaways or the overarching theme of what you would say? Teach your kids how to fail gracefully and how to be successful gracefully. And that's, that's about, you know, I, I don't know how to put it. But everybody fails, and everybody is successful so to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. You need to do it with grace and humility, and you need to be focused on what you're what you need to be doing along the way. I mean, God has a path plan for you. You have to put forth your effort to make the path. Um, and I and I and I know a lot of the people that might be listening are not as faith-based as some others might be, but um, you have to put yourself in a position to be successful as a parent to help your kid be successful as a kid. And it takes it takes everybody. It takes it takes a lot of effort on the parent part. It takes a lot of effort, effort on the kid part. And you have, you, you have to show your kids that failing is okay. And that striving for something is okay, mm-hmm. and being and, and being successful. Um, parents fail at things, kids fail at things. You have to work work together to to work through those things, and 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 to work through the failures as well as celebrate the successes. Right. I like how you said with humility too. I like everybody fails. So are you going to do it and be mad about it, or are you going to have some grace about you and be like, what? yeah, and you know, and sometimes. Failing with humility means just not saying anything. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you might be frustrated, you might feel like, 
that you want to quit something or or you know say say something inappropriate. Sometimes it's best just not say anything and you know push through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I'll do better next time. Right. I like. I also like your succeed with grace and humility too. The opposite end of it, so that way you're not like. And we all know those people that are successful that let everybody know they're successful. But if you have to tell people you're successful, are you really successful? Are you really successful? <laughs> Just like I know, I keep referring back to your athletic days, but there was an athlete that you competed with. And that athlete um, showed off her accolades from summer track and all the national rankings and all that kind of stuff that she did. And every time you beat her in cross country, and if you were beating her, she would always have an injury. Mm -hmm. She would always, she couldn't handle that she was not beating you in something that she had won accolades for in the summer. Right. So she was, she did not handle that very gracefully. That's rough. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And well, and a lot of that, that's not on her. She was... Correct. That's... That... She didn't learn that on her own. No. And her and her parents were very similar. Hmm. And so, it was, it was just different. It was, mm-hmm. it was just different. And, and you know, I've, I've been on both ends of coaching. I've been on both ends of academics. I've been on both ends of a lot of things. It's more fun to win. I agree. But you learn a lot by losing. You learn a lot of things by not being successful. Right. You learn what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know what you're. You learn what you're going to do next time to be successful. Right. Failure's inevitable. And so, so what are we doing you know, with it? Your 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 failures will get fewer and fewer as you go down that road because you learn. You've had more practice. You've had more practice, and mm-hmm. you learn. You learn what to do to be successful. Right. And your kids are going to fail. I mean, how many how many times does a toddler fall right. learning how to walk? Right. A bunch <laughs> until you until you somehow learn, we're all upright. And, and we're all so. upright, you know. I mean, you learn what you have to do to be successful. Right. And that's the same thing in life. Just in life in general, you learn. You get smacked in the head several times. You're going to do something different. Right. You keep running into I the door. Like, hey, I don't like doing that anymore. Next time, or yes. do something different. Yeah. You know, and um, you have to teach your kids it's okay to fail. It's not fun, but it's okay right. to fail. But learn learn from those failures um, in order to stay on the path to success. Right. I mean, you're going to fail all along the way. All throughout your life, you're going to have failures. But how, how, do, you, how, how do you handle the failures? Mm-hmm. You know, if you handle them with grace and humility and you learn from them, Move forward. Right. It's how you respond to adversity that shows your character. You know, if you if you keep looking behind you to look at all the failures you've had, that's a big old trailer of failures that you're dragging behind you. Welcome to the party. You know, and you know, oh, I failed again. Well, just mm-hmm. stick it in the trailer I'm dragging behind me. I've got a whole bucket full mm-hmm. of trailers, you know, that I'm dragging. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You've got to drop that off and keep and keep moving forward. You'll never get to to your goal looking backwards at all the failures you've had. Right. Carrying all that weight around, it's you know, not whether it's socially, whether it's you know, mm-hmm. marriages, whether mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know job related things. Hey, you know, move forward. That's mm-hmm. behind you. Let's go forward. Yeah, do something else. That's good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. You've brought a lot of wisdom to the table, which is great, and that also helps me. And I get to have this forever, so 
I can look back on it and be like, what's that thing my dad said again? Or I can just call you up. But thanks again for being on the show. Well, thanks for asking me. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah. I mean, you had mom on. I might as well be on too, right? Right. Yes. I like how y'all talked about two totally different things, but it's still under the umbrella of growth. So that's great stuff. So thanks again, and maybe we'll get you on again, maybe you and Mom together, and we'll see. Oh, that could be fun. We'll have to, maybe there'll be like a marriage couple thing we'll do. Ooh, I don't know if that's... Conflict resolution. I don't know if, that, I don't know if that's, <laughs> uh, that, that's publishable. Well, we are not going to have an after-hours episode. We've already told Farron's mom no. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... Um, we'll talk to you guys soon and next week is David Griffin where he talks about spiritual grit it's going to be a good one see y'all later thanks for listening to the witty and gritty podcast join us at wittyandgritty.blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter check out our blog and listen to more episodes we're here to help you become your best self with a community that cares 